morning. It is great to be back with you all again after a long summer. As I was driving here and I was praying in the car, turned the radio off, and I just went, the summer went by so fast. And then how sometimes January and February is so slow, but the summers really go by fast. But as Sandy and Abigail were talking this year, our theme mom is tell his story. And our three sections of live, learn, and love are all verbs. And a verb is an action word, placing our thoughts and our words and our actions into thought and emotion. Telling God's story occurs when we know his story and understand its implication in our lives. In telling his story, we see God coming down as a baby For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the beginning of the gospel. Jesus was born a son of man, the only son of God. He was crucified on the cross, placed in a tomb, and rose again after three days. And we have eternal life in him when when we confess that he is our Lord and Savior. As we believe in Jesus, we're called to live a life that's dedicated to him. And as we tell his story, we actually live his story. We are to love as he loved and to help and encourage others as he helps and encourages us every time that we open up the love letters, which is the Bible. The verses that you all did the responsive reading for were Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. And as I was doing research on Psalm 78, 1 through 4, the verses for living right now, I learned that Psalm 78 was a, really an Israelite history lesson that was sung by Asaph in the temple. And Asaph was one of three singers that King David appointed to sing in the temple. And the psalm was sung over and over again to the Israelites to remind them how God had taken their ancestors from slavery until the beautiful time of King David's reign. And I thought, wow, that's just like today, that we too need reminders of what to do and what not to do. Psalm 78 told us that the Israelites rebelled. They forgot what God had done. They tested God and made demands of him. They lied to him. They tried to flatter him. And finally, they just turned away from him. And we, too, make those same mistakes of forgetfulness and faithlessness and foolishness and failure. But 1 Corinthians 10 reminds us that history is God's story. I found a post-it note I I wrote after I read a novel this summer, and it said, Anus Mirabilis, and it means a year of wonders. So it's really going to be exciting to see how Mom this year can be a year of wonders. Psalm 78 is a reminder to trust God and to be loyal, not forgetting all the deeds that he has done. And as we look at verses 1 through 4, there's four things that we are to do as parents. We are to hear and listen to the word of God. We're not to forget it, not to hide it at all from our children, and we're to tell it to the next generation. And it's really neat because all four of those verbs overlap each other in a continual circle. Verse 1 tells us to hear and listen. To hear and listen, we must be present in a faith-based community. If you do not have a home church, as Sandy had said, 
check out Rio Vista Church on Sunday mornings. We have a 9 and an 11 o'clock service. And attending church and being with a body of believers is vital for our spiritual growth. Hebrews 10.35 tells us not to give up meeting together. And when we establish regular church attendance, it really makes an impression upon our children. I've shared before two things that Steve and I ask our children before they went to college. And the first one was to declare yourself a Christian the first 24 hours on campus. And the second one was to go to church the very first Sunday that you're on campus. And there's some eye-opening statistics from Joe White, who is an author. He's a Focus on the Family speaker. And he's also the director of Canicut Camps. And they see between 100 and 150,000 children a year. And he came up with these statistics that 8 out of 10 children from evangelical families who do not go to church the first Sunday at college will not attend during the four years that they're there. Of the 8, 6 seldom regain their faith while in college, and only four come back to a strong personal relationship after they graduate. Those are very eye-opening statistics. Verse 4a tells us as parents, we're not supposed to hide the word of God from our children. Now, we don't intentionally hide the word of God. We get busy, and we forget. Our daily habits really make an impact upon our kids. Little eyes and ears are listening and hearing to everything we do, and then they follow what we do. There is one question I'd like to ask God, and that is, why do my children pick up on my worst habits and not my best habits? Verse 4b overlaps 4a, and that's not hiding the word of God, is telling the next generation. Telling his story to our children is an act of faithfulness, and then sharing his commands is an act of obedience. See how all four of those verbs intertwine together? Hearing, listening, not hiding, and then telling. I was not a perfect mom, and I definitely do not have perfect kids. You know, training our children is a matter of training ourselves first. Satan comes in any way that he possibly can. And he tempts us to do this and to do that. And he tries to convince us, you are not a good mom. You did this and you did that. Don't listen to him. Just tell him to get behind you and go forth. We are to be prepared to have an answer ready for everything, as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us. God wants us to listen to him and to measure our thoughts and our words and our actions on what his word says, it's not easy. And you know, whenever we don't have the answer to something, be honest with our kids and say, you know, I don't have the answer right now. Let me go and check to see what the Bible says, and I'll get back to you on that, and I'll let you know. Steve and I thought that it was best for he and I to never say no to our children unless we could support our no's with Scripture. And you know what happened? We started memorizing verses because of what we were doing in that act of obedience to grow up our children in God's way. There are two actions that are very, very vital to us as parents. And the first one is to memorize scripture so that you can make your yes, yes, and your no's, no's. When raising our children, we must 
be united in discipline with our husband and never undermine our spouse in our actions or our words. Toddler to teen will pick up on discord and they will use it for their own good. I see toddlers that are so manipulative. It's unbelievable. How can an 18-month-old be manipulative? But they are. They are. You have to remember that we are parents and not a friend until your child is off the payroll completely. Prayer is the second vital action we need to take as parents. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 reminds us that life is a battle, and Satan prowls around like a hungry lion, waiting, wanting to devour our families. When we pray, we release the burden onto the broad shoulders of the Lord. Prayer makes a difference. Earnest and honest prayer to God is so important. Honesty, because God already knows what's in our heads. He wants us to release that darkness to him so that his light can shine through. Earnest and honest prayer with others breaks down barriers and lets us see that there are no perfect families. Each and every family has major prayer requests, many major things that they are trying to overcome, many things that they are working on. Praying with others develops accountability. And praying with others creates a bond that nothing can ever sever. Prayer deepens a relationship. Prayer makes us vulnerable to each other and to God. And our vulnerability makes us want to cling to him even more. And when we cling, we're strengthened. That's for sure. I will never forget going to my first Moms in Touch prayer group the first time. Moms in Touch is now called Prayers Parents in Prayer International. Matt was four and Stevie was seven, and I had never prayed in a group. I was terrified, and I was intimidated. These ladies could pray. And I sat there silent for six months. And then I started praying, and I haven't stopped. They use the ACTS prayer format that we use, and it can be found in your Ponder Prayer insert. If you go to the next to the last sheet in your mom magazine, you'll see it. Check it out, cut it out, and then pray. When I went to Moms in Touch, I remember being told not to let the silences bother me, to listen to what God was saying. (laughs) I just stood there and went, what? And then my mind started thinking, how long was I supposed to listen? How would I know if it was God or if it was my thoughts coming in? What if I did not hear what God was trying to tell me? I was on pins and needles trying to figure out how God was going to talk to me. I was too busy about thinking about the when and the what that I didn't hear anything whatsoever. I learned after a few months that my mind was simply being too, too busy. And then someone prayed Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And a little thought took root. (laughs) Oh, Vicki, you have got to be still. Be still. I found that the more I prayed scripture, the more I started hiding that scripture within my heart. And then as I prayed one verse a week, as Moms in Touch taught me to do, those scriptures too 
remained in my heart. And what a blessing those verses have been over the years. There's a threefold aspect to listening that we can share with our children. The first one is we need to be still to hear what God is saying. Being still is a daily. It's not a a sporadic here and there event. It's hard to hear God if we're just too busy. It helps to set a specific time and keep that time every day to pray. I turn off the radio when I'm in the car because some days I find that my day is just too busy. So instead of listening to the music, I turn the radio off and I pray. I have a three-mile loop in the neighborhood that, uh, that I walk several times a week. So I've divided that three miles into segments, one segment for adoration, one segment for confession, one segment for thanksgiving, one segment for supplication. Because if you're like me and I'm walking, I wave to this one or I pass by the house, I say, oh, that shrubbery really looks good. And I like the color that painted their house. And I forget what I'm praying. And then I get to that little point. I say, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be confessing right now. So then you so I do you know, the same thing because it just helps me to stay on track. One thing that we do need to teach our children, the voice of God is not audibly heard by people today. God's voice is heard as he directs our mindset whenever we are still. Listening requires time set apart for God. Prayer with others is important, but prayer with just God and me is more important. The second way about listening is God answers three ways, yes, no, and wait. And my, per, per, um, my favorite little saying is perfect here, you water, you wait, you see, because it's so true. We wait, we ask, we wait, we ask, we wait, because the God's timing is always perfect. The third one, last but not least, there is no set time limit for being still, for listening for God to say something. Unfortunately, there's no right or wrong way to listen and share with your children listening for God to say something takes longer than counting to ten. As a family, hide Matthew 7, 7 within your hearts. Ask and you shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We are to ask, to seek, and knock, 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 because sometimes we wait Wait, wait. I found a few ways over the years to be helpful in sharing the word of God with my children. The first one, as Sandy mentioned, was keep that Bible open on the kitchen counter because the Lord will not let you walk by without reading a verse or two. The second was I posted verses on the fridge, on the bathroom mirror, in my kids' room. Uh, I even, when Matthew was being unruly, I only slipped one in, on a big card underneath the glass in his desk and so that he could, you know, see what he needed to work on at the time. I used this little recipe holder in front of my kitchen, and I used this stack of note cards to train up my children. And my ray, this is how I raised my children, was this stack of, of note cards. And this one was sort of, it was fun to go through them a, a few days ago. You can tell it's been water spotted. It says, respect those who work hard, warn those who are idle. I have in Corinthians, me. Encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, me. Be kind to one another, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances from 1 Thessalonians. 
I also kept a couple little note cards in prominent places throughout the house that what I really, really wanted to work on. And this one here was glued to the the backsplash beside the telephone. And it said, am I set apart in my life? Be holy because I'm holy. And to be set apart is in your words, your thoughts, your actions, your TVs, your movies, your books, your magazine, your jokes, your clothes, your music. There was not a child who walked in our house that didn't see this and would stand there and to read to see what was written down. And on my bedside, I still have this one. It says, help me to be Jesus to somebody today. Just a few little ideas. Another thing we did in the car was we sang praise songs. You cannot sing, this is the day that the Lord has made. Even when my kids were in high school, we did that. You can't sing that and get out of the car in a grumpy mood. Anyway, parenting is not easy, and we really do learn by trial and error. We desire to give our children roots so that they can fly solo. Trust God and that your yes be yes and that your no be no. You know, he has our back 24-7, and it's hard to believe, but he loves our children more than we do. He empowers us when we ask him to establish the work of our hands and our hearts and to lead our day. He gently leads those that have the young. The mercy and grace of God gives us a spiritual buoyancy, which made me think of a life preserver. He's not going to let us be swept away in the tide of life without coming there beside us. He doesn't want us to run to a friend or call someone or text someone or see what a book says to do. He wants us to look to see what he tells us to do. When we seek him first, all things will be added into our lives. By ourselves, we sink. With God as our life preserver, we stay afloat. And God's life preserver comes equipped with a whistle. And with that little whistle, you can blow in and blow out. And memorize a verse or two. Take another deep breath in and blow out and pray. Moms, look up and then go walk. And as we trust God and tell his story, which is our story too, we will water and we will wait and we'll see. We'll see.